Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Drew Story News Podcast. This 9-11-2020. And today's conversation is going to be very quick. I'm doing this dolo, not inviting a guest. And today I'm going to be talking about Cuties. The very controversial Netflix series, Cuties. Because there's a lot to unpack. First and foremost, I'm not the kind of person to just take people's word for things or jump on bandwagons. I heard all the things said about this. I heard all the outrage and the backlash. And some of the people outraged were people I knew, and I trust their word about things. But at the end of the day, I still have to find out things for myself. Especially as a content creator, I can't just regurgitate what other people are saying and say, yeah, this is an outrage. Not that I want to watch a series about girls twerking, 11-year-old girls twerking. In order to talk about it, I have to know what I'm talking about. So I decided to give cuties a chance. And I have to say, everything that people are saying about it is true. This is filth. And... We're in a time in which a lot of people don't really know what's going on in the world. The occult activity, demonic activity that's very feverishly at work. This was very cleverly done. But even though it was very cleverly done, a lot of people see right through this filth. Cuties does very well attempting and pretending to be this innocent, feel-good, coming-of-age story about young girls, but, but they tried to be very, very slick. Because yes, there is very heavy sexualization of young girls, 11 and 12 years old. And it was pretty disgusting. No one remotely involved with this series should be proud of themselves. I'm a very, very open-minded person. And hey, I gave this thing a shot. But even though this was pitched to the masses, they wanted this thing to do well. It was almost like they also knew this thing was attracting perverts and pedophiles. And the series gave them a lot of stuff. I'm talking about a lot of weird, awkward, uncomfortable, disgusting scenes. That, you know, really didn't have to be in the story. They put it there. For example, there was one scene where they broke into this place. It's like a laser tag movie theater type place. I'm not sure what it was, but they were running around, playing around, and the theater employees found them. One of them was one man found them. And then another one, I guess the manager was wanted to know what the commotion was because the guy was trying to call their parents and. They're like, they're dancers, we're dancers, we just won. And then, in order to prove that they were dancers, Ami, the story's main protagonist, proceeded to dance for these two grown men, strangers, these adults that found them. She decided to dance for them and bend and twerk. And that was very weird. It gave a a type of scene to give you a bad taste in your mouth. Like, yay. And then you still want to give the thing a chance. So you keep watching. And there's just other scenes that just one after the other that, okay, they're trying to create this feel-good story, but we see what you're doing with this perverted content. 
there's another scene in which she, you know, she, well, she stole this guy's phone, I guess a family friend or relative. And I don't, I don't know who this guy was. Actually, not a relative, obviously, because of what happened. And stole this guy's phone. And when the guy discovered that she stole the phone, um, she was freaking out because that phone was her lifeline to her friends and her platform, social media platform, where she's posting things and getting likes. And when he was threatening to grab the phone and take it back, she decided to unzip her pants and take her pants down with this grown, another grown adult. And he pushes her like, what the hell are you doing? But it's just, you know, one awkward moment after one awkward moment. It's like a little girl wouldn't do that to an adult male friend of the family, like pull her pants down. It's just like, okay, well, what the hell is this? And there were other scenes because you can really just shrug that off and just keep going and just say, yeah, well, if, whatever. But no, there's more. There's scenes of these girls dancing and twerking and splitting their legs, and it's just really disgusting. It makes the decent, well-adjusted people just very uncomfortable because you know this isn't right. Something tells you, like, no, nah, this is not okay. I know that they're trying to frame this like this feel-good story, you know, coming-of-age story, but... There's too much going on in here that's just, it doesn't sit well with the civilized, decent person. And perhaps one of the worst scenes was when um, it didn't make any sense. The, the family was doing something traditional. The mother and the aunt or grandmother figure, I'm not sure which one she was. I think she was the aunt, great aunt. And they were doing something traditional because she was acting up. She was stealing. They were concerned about her. So they were doing some spiritual thing where she was in panties, like just like underwear. And they were chanting and throwing water on her. And then she went into this twerk dance while she was in her panties wet and bending over, um, spreading her legs, twerking and gyrating. And I'm like, oh, my God. This is... <laughs> Anyone to condone this, they are not in their right state of mind. And that includes this woke culture that defends everything. Um, you know, this is where our culture is at. They, they, there's just a defense for everything. And especially, um, you know, liberal left. and uh, It's just this is undefendable so yeah like i didn't jump on a bandwagon and just say yeah yeah down with cooties cancel netflix i gave it a, a shot and watched it with an open mind as i do most things and i'm telling you that this is not acceptable and this is bringing the bar lower to what is normal on television like <laughs> what are they going to do next so, yeah, all the controversy and calls for canceling Netflix and the backlash, I have to say it is justified. Like, that's disgusting. Now, to make things even worse, you have to wonder, how was the casting for this going? So, you mean these girls, who did these girls audition for? Who were they taking off their clothes twerking to? How did they decide on who gets chosen? Yeah, I'm just going to leave that food for thought right there. And there are lots of other things amiss. Um, there's the attack on traditional African culture. There's always 
evidence of colonialism and neo-colonialism. The same tricks keep being done over and over and over again in cuties. You have traditional African culture under attack. Um, another black family with a man that's not in the home. Well, not yet, anyways. The father is actually one of the main antagonists, not because he's a bad guy running around doing bad things, but because of the storyline. Um, Ami, who is the story's main protagonist, lives in France with her mom and her two younger siblings, and the father's not in the home. The father is in Senegal, bringing back a second wife. So already they're presenting manhood and traditional African culture and Islam, three birds with one stone, to symbolize this oppression on this female spirit, this female protagonist. And boy, do they love cranking out stories that do this. And honestly, a lot of people are growing tired of these tropes and all these rehashed ideas that just keep coming at us. And it's a little disrespectful because a lot of people love their culture. They love their people. But, you know, on the big screen and the small screen, it gets minimalized into this trash from a Western perspective, pushing these agendas. And this sort of neo-colonialism is running throughout this thing where she's like she's staring at her traditional African dress, you know, staring like horrified and she finds freedom and liberation and excitement in this Turk culture, dressing like a slut and putting on makeup. So, you know, you see this kind of theme running throughout. And perhaps the most disrespectful um, spiritual attack was when she's in the temple, the church, the mosque, the temple, and the women are all praying. And she's under something with her phone so while everyone's praying in the mosque she's covered with something with her phone watching half-naked strippers twerk squeeze and feel on each other's rear ends and kiss the camera and it, it, it was disgusting and that was pretty symbolic of a, a spiritual attack you know a lot of people you know it's good to become aware of occult activity a lot of people are not very up to speed on what's really going on in the world because they don't know that a lot of people especially people connected people are in a lot of different cults and you know satanic cults and things going on that scene right there spoke volumes and i think that kind of went over a lot of people's head um the imagery of that was a very strong spiritual attack so basically running throughout this thing was like you know Screw the men yet again. Another <laughs> another film that like, you know, to hell with men and families and black families, stable black families. Um, you know, we don't we don't Hollywood doesn't want any of that. That's clear. Um, but aside from that, um, you know, no healthy family structure and, you know, the hell with traditional African culture, the hell with religious faith. They're trying to. um celebrate and glorify this slut twerk thing with 11 year old girls that's basically running through this whole series it's like um well at least the first episode that i watched 
and the last episode that I will watch. Um, that's basically the theme running throughout this thing is that, you know, how she's, you know, dealing, coping with a father who's causing her pain because he's a traditional African man who's marrying a second wife and, you know, she's hurt and she's needs to run out, run out with these girls that are also 11 and 12 and put on slut clothes and put on makeup and do splits and pick their legs up and twerk and grind and gyrate. And I don't get it. And I think a lot of people were turned off by the imagery, by what they heard, by the clips that they saw. But once again, I gave this thing a shot because you can't watch trailers and clips and just judge something. I, I watched a, an entire episode and everything that people said is true. You know, I wrote a blog today. Uh, so there's a blog version of this podcast. And I wrote how um, in a section of the blog, not, not the main point but and i wrote about how this reminds me of leaving neverland another pedophile movie and it reminds me of leaving neverland because we're seeing a similar thing where there was a backlash you see leaving neverland was hyped up to be this thing and hbo was pushing this thing and they were gonna just drop this bombshell and they had the juice they had the story on Michael Jackson. But early on, there was a problem. The wheels started to fall off this thing. Um, people started to notice that these two men, a lot of the things that they said in the documentary, because they, they left it, and it's not a documentary. There's nothing factual about this thing. And they released it in different sections of the world. And so where they released it, people were able to report and take notes and people started to notice that a lot of the things that these two clowns in that movie said were not true. The featured actors were liars and some of us knew that because we knew um, Wade Robson and James Sapechuk, more so Robson because he's been trying to get MJ money for years because he flipped the script. You know, he was... Um, you know, a friend of MJ and a MJ fanboy most of his life. But then, you know, when life took a turn, he needed money and the, the estate wasn't hiring him for things that he was trying to get in. He was trying to get in Cirque du Soleil, Michael Jackson themed Cirque du Soleil. Um, he, he didn't make it in. So then he decided to be a full time accuser. And, you know, this movie came out and there was just a lot of things that were coming out that, yo, this is not true. It wasn't factually adding up. Not like we were trying to call people liars and, you know, we, we're supposed to be taking allegations very seriously. And if someone has an accusation, we don't care how famous this person is. Take the accusation seriously. But if the information that the people are giving you is not adding up, and in the case of Wade Robson and James Sapechuk, their information wasn't adding up. You know, I think the, the train wreck was when uh, <laughs> Sapechuk said that MJ abused him in this room in the years of um, 1988 to 1992. And he described this room. Well, he said it happened up until 88, 1992, something like that. And then biographer Michael Smallcomb came out and said, uh, 
you know, I hate to break this to you. I know you worked hard on this movie, but that room was built in 1994. <laughs> your basically your whole story was BS. Um and it tanked and um Oprah was being contacted. People were saying were trying to appeal to Oprah like come on, like what the hell are you doing? This is not working out. There was another guy um who Save Chuck, I mean, I'm sorry, Robson claimed was another one of Michael Jackson's victims, Brett Barnes. Brett Barnes took to Twitter and said, no, I'm not a victim of Michael Jackson. But Wade Robson is a liar. He's lying. And he was tweeting. He was adding HBO. He was threatening HBO. If you put me in this movie, I'm going to sue you. It was a mess. Leaving Neverland should never have happened it should all this mess that was happening oprah and hbo they just kept dousing um the flames trying to put out the fires and they rammed this train wreck of a bs documentary through even though people knew it was lies um we learned that you know what we're in a new era like they just do what the hell they want to do when enough people powerful people want to push something or enough powerful people invested in something or they want something well hey it's gonna happen this is the kind of thing that we're seeing with cuties um there's a legitimate concern that like yeah this is disgusting this is uh offensive people have a problem with this we're trying to not promote this and normalize this in our culture. This is deeply offensive to a lot of people, especially people who have children of the age group that is featured in this docu in this series. Like it is disgusting. They're twerking. They're spreading their legs. They're highly sexualized, and children can look at these characters and you know relate to these characters and get affected by what they see. We don't want to make this normal in our in our culture. So the backlash was justified. There was a lot of people just like leaving Neverland. There's a lot of people saying, "Hey, stop this. Like pull the brakes. Cancel. They were trying to cancel HBO, cancel Netflix." And Netflix is like, "Nope." <laughs> we're going you know, they're not afraid, you know, back in the day People need to understand what kind of a scary time that we're in because they used to be afraid of backlashes and people threatening to cancel subscriptions. And now we're in the new we're new in, in a new day where they're exercising new powers like we own you. We own the mainstream airwaves and we know there's a lot of people that are getting angry. We know a lot of people want to cancel us, but guess what? We are doing it. That's kind of the leaving Neverland feeling that I had. And this is what I'm feeling with cuties. Like, yes, this thing is disgusting. Yes, this thing is playing to pedophiles. Like some of the scenes, I'm sorry, if you are a decent, well-adjusted person, you had trouble watching some of these scenes. And I'm just giving it a, a fair shot. I'm not a fan. I was forced to watch some scenes that were very uncomfortable. And they're like, no, it's art and you got to give it a chance. And it's a feel good story. No, we know what the hell we see. <laughs> we know what it is. But it's that leaving Neverland. You know what? You're getting this. This is the era that we're in. So these entities are not so afraid of backlash like they used to be because 
They're a part of agendas. This is social engineering time. They're fulfilling agendas. We are going to inject this into society, whether people like it or not. You're going to learn to like it. Social engineering, normalizing what they want to normalize into society. We are really in the end game now. So how do we stop this? How do we fight this? Um, Like I said, we are in the end game. They're doing lots of things, whether you like it or not. For example, and I know this is controversial, but I don't care. We have to get to the point where, you know what, the normies are clinging to the system and they they believe what's on the airwaves, but we're going to have to talk over them and through them in order to fight and begin some sort of resistance. Masks. Even though there's pretty solid evidence that masks do not stop COVID, they don't do anything. Regardless, they're making us do it all over the world, all over the world. Um, Like I said, people are going to squeal and, you know, object because they're programmed. But I'm talking to the awake people. We know damn well that masks do not stop COVID. In fact, in Holland, Netherlands, all the Nordic countries, their top scientists proved that, hey, masks, there's no evidence to to show that masks do anything. So we're not mandating masks for our citizens. And their numbers are lower than ours, of course, here in the States, um, significantly. And they're doing real science over there. We're not. We're doing fake corporate politicized science. We're not doing real science. And we're mandating things, even though across the waters, the scientists over there are saying this is BS. They're making you do it anyway. And what are you going to do about it? We're going to in New York, where I'm at, you're going to get fined. Um, This is where we are. This is what we say. And you're going to do it. Um, This is starting to happen with the airwaves. We're going to this is our program for you. You're going to like it and watch it. And um It is what it is. So what do we do? First, it's important not to get caught up in these traps, these spiritual traps, these traps of ideology, because there's tons of them out there. They use feminism. They use race. They use identity politics. They use our ideals, our belief systems, and they use it against us. That's why, you know, people think that they have things figured out, but they don't know the tricks that are out there. There's truth in everything, even bad things. There's a lot of truth in bad things, bad ideology, including cuties. So a lot of people are easily sold on this empowerment thing and this female solidarity and all these things that are in there. That's why a lot of people from the quote-unquote woke side of the internet will leap in to defend this thing emotionally, but without spiritual wisdom. This is harvesting people, especially young people, over to a lower vibration. People are really finding empowerment in slut culture, dressing with hardly any clothes and twerking provocatively. That's not power. And so many people don't know anything about energy. And what kind of energy is that attracting? What jinn and entities are you bringing onto yourself? 
You can see the powers that be trying desperately hard, especially amongst melanated people, to bring this WAP culture, this ratchet culture, this twerk culture to lower your vibration. Trying to normalize ratchet behavior, trying to bring about sexual confusion, because there's a lot of that. There's so much of that going on. And they're baiting the young. So it's time to wake up and be aware of the archons and what the powers that be are trying to inject into society. So boycotting and canceling, yes, that that is one strategy. But first and foremost, it's very important not to get swept away into any of this yourself. Again, we're in the end game and things are going to get crazy. So buckle up, take care of yourself. And I will see you in the next video, blog, or podcast.